0: I'm your host, Desiree, I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. Today, I have a Minimalism Stories episode to share with you. And these are some of my favorite episodes to do on the show because it is just about getting back to the basics and hearing someone's story about how they and their family discovered minimalism, what it's looked like for them along the way, how it has changed things for them. And today's story is unique because we are really looking at a story of going from extreme minimalism to a more minimalish version of minimalism. So while this is kind of how my story is too, I never really went extreme minimalist. But my guest today, Corey Vidal, did go extreme minimalist. A version of minimalism that many of us probably will never venture into, and that is tiny living. Corey started as an extreme minimalist living in a tiny house and owning as little as possible and when I say started I don't mean like at the beginning of her life I just mean as she kind of learned about minimalism and she's going to share her story of kind of what propelled her into that but as she and her husband added to their family things changed for them and Corey has learned to adjust and grow her understanding of minimalism as her family grew and their needs changed So I love Corey's story because it really shows us how minimalism can look different in different seasons of life. I had this conversation a few months ago, but it really works so well, piggybacked on to last week's 200th episode, Celebration, because I didn't even realize it, but... Last week I talked about five things that I've learned about minimalism along the way and I asked Corey in this episode some things that she has learned about minimalism. One of my biggest learnings along the way has been how minimalism does look different in different seasons and I know for me it will continue to look different as life changes in the future. In today's episode though, Corey shares her experience with tiny house living, she shares tips when it comes to living in small spaces, and she of course shares her journey of minimalism how it has changed along the way, why she went from minimalist, like extreme minimalist to minimal-ish, and encouragements of how anyone who's new on the journey can get started. I know you'll be encouraged by Corey's journey and her story, so let's dive in to our conversation. Corey, I'm so excited to have you on the show, and I'm excited to hear more about your story today. Uh, Before we dive in, can you just share a little bit about who you are and what you
1: do? Well, my name is Corey, and I'm a former teacher, and now I'm a homeschooling mom of two boys. Um, I used to have a blog and an Instagram, and it was all related to tiny house living, Um, but I took all those down as part of our simplifying journey, so I'm just me. I love that. And I, I'm kind of excited to hear
0: how that all plays into your story as well. Um, there are many days, I mean, I'm not going to like burn the podcast down or anything, but there are many days that I'm ready to burn Instagram down <laughs> and just be done with it. So so I'm interested to hear hear your story. Uh, sometimes I feel like the online world is a, as big of a distraction as our
1: possessions can be. Exactly. It's funny. Sometimes I find myself looking up like tips for using my phone less. And I'm like on my phone looking these up. (laughs) It's just, it's
0: inundates our life in so many ways. Before we get to that, and that's not really our, the, the bulk of our conversation or anything, I really am excited to hear you had kind of mentioned that you went from minimalist, like, very extreme to minimal-ish. So that's really what I'm excited to dive into today. But before we get there, I want to hear the beginning of your journey and just kind of how how you started with minimalism and what the
1: beginning of your journey looked like. So for me, minimalism actually came as a response to some stress and some trauma that I went through um, when I was in college as a young adult. And I won't be too much of a downer here. Um, But I had grown up and lived in my same house my whole life. Um, And the first thing that happened was my brother passed away. Um, He was 19. And he we never touched his room after that. It was just full of all his stuff. And then um, the next year, my both of my grandparents passed away within a couple of months of each other. And they had a main home that they'd lived in for, you know, 50 years. And they had a lake house that was full of things. And I was off of school for a summer. And I spent this whole summer with my mom going through the estate and dealing with all of the the stuff that they had left behind. And it was, it was sad. And it was hard because we were Grieving the loss of my grandparents, and then having this massive task of dealing with decades of of stuff.
0: Yeah, that I I can understand that that going through those really hard times where you're grieving, and then you also have to deal with this stuff um, can kind of push you to to really think about your own possessions and and how you handle them, and and how many you keep around. Um, You, like I said earlier, you mentioned that your family really went to the extremes of minimalism and I could see how, you know, the, those really terrible, sad things could have pushed you there. Um, And, you know, there's seasons that that might really work for you too, but can you just share what that looked like for you all as well?
1: Right. So after, after doing all of this, I was really thinking about the big questions, like what what really matters when we pass away. And obviously there were, were keepsakes and, and a few little things, um, but it was the memories um, that was really what I cherished um, and thankful that we had been able to make memories, but sometimes I would think that I didn't want to do it with all that stuff. And so um, after college, um, The second thing that happened was my parents, um, this was during the financial crisis, 2008. Um, My parents lost their house. Um, It was foreclosed on and we had 30 days to get everything out. And after going through that, I was done. I did not want anything. Um, And then I got married and we bought a tiny house. And you can't have very many things in a tiny house.
0: Yeah, that's just hearing your story. First of all, uh, I can't imagine how hard it was to go through like the just the series of events that you did. Um, What was tiny house living like? Do you still
1: live in a tiny house? We live in a small house. It's two bedrooms, one bathroom. It's about 750 square feet. So no, not tiny anymore. So I I would just
0: love to hear kind of what that was like living in a tiny house and what do things look like now versus then, even if you want to start to share some of that as well.
1: So when we first moved into the, to the tiny house, I was I was anti-stuff because of my experiences. And so for for a while, it was uh, very calming, very soothing to me. I felt very free that I didn't have a lot of things to deal with. Um we owned our house. I wasn't going to lose it like my parents and so many other people gone went through during that time period. Um, but it was very small. Um, it was 18 feet long, uh, by eight feet wide. And it had a sleeping loft. So it was about 250 square feet altogether. My husband and I lived in it together. And one of the things that What's tough about living in a tiny house is you can't really move inside your house very much when it was when it was so small. So I felt like I, I could sit on the couch a lot, which, again, after going through some stuff, it was very peaceful and restful. Um, and then we had our first child, and we lived there until he was a year old. And I really enjoyed having a newborn in a tiny house. There were obviously things that were hard, but it just allowed us to bond and be together um, and connect. And then he started to move like babies tend to do. They want to crawl and they want to walk. And that's when my husband and I were like, okay, we, we might need a little bit more space.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine that. I can imagine that. I mean, like you said, the newborn days would be really great because you have so little to keep up with. You know, around the house, you can only keep so much there. But yeah, I I can't imagine what that would be like. They as every step or every little crawl that they take, they'd be able to get into something, right? Because it's, it's yes, just exactly. so small. <laughs> can you, before we kind of move on, because I I want to hear like where your story went from there. You still live in a small space, right? I so between this tiny house and between the small space that you live in, can you share some of your best tips for small space living and kind of like how to enjoy a small space, stay sane in a small space mm-hmm. with a family, any any
1: of that? Um, my number one tip is headphones, um, <laughs> which even now to this day, it's we can always hear each other in the tiny house. You could always hear each other, but when you you put your your headphones on or earplugs in and you can feel like you're in your own space when you can't hear everything that's going on around you. Um, So that's a huge tip that I have. Um, When we were in the tiny house, one of the things that I discovered is that accessible storage is more important than the amount of storage. So, for example, we had a couch. It was like a built-in sofa, and you could lift up the top and get into the storage underneath. And that was great. However, you, it was the only place to sit in the whole tiny house. So anytime you needed to get anything, everybody had to stand up. You had to move all the pillows out, lift it up. And uh, when we had our son, we ended up cutting out the front of the of the sofa and putting bins under there so you could pull the bins out. And reach in there, and even though we lost probably about I don't know fifty percent of the space or forty percent of the actual storage space, it was so much more accessible, which made it more practical.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I even I'm thinking that in in any house, really. I mean, if you're trying to store things and have some type of organization system that allows you to store stuff away that you're going to access often, it is really frustrating. To have to like move a bunch of stuff around i was just dealing with that in our playroom i just had like a couple of bins of their blocks and i kept i stacked them on top of each other and i was like it's not accessible for them because they have to pull down these blocks and some of them are wooden and heavy so I was like, oh, all I have to do is get drawers instead of bins, you know, just those little tweaks. (laughs) But I can only imagine how much more important that is when you've got a small space and not much storage and not many places to sit and having to move (laughs) all the time. (laughs) That would be rough. Okay. So what I'm really interested in is you went from the extreme, the tiny house, um, the having being anti-stuff in general. And then you said now you're, you're a little just more minimalish. And um, can you share a little bit about what prompted that change and how you kind of found your own version of minimalism and how it fits your life now in this season?
1: So after we moved out of the tiny house, we were in um, a small a basement apartment that we rented and it was about 600 square feet and at that point I felt like I could still kind of hold on to the tiny house label for myself um although I did I did struggle with feeling like like a fraud like can I still have a tiny house blog if I don't live in a tiny house anymore Um, and so that really caused me to stop and think, why is this such a big part of my identity? Why am I defining myself based on the size house that I live in, based on, you know, what my house looks like? Um, so I started to, to kind of think about, about that and what it meant. And then as my son got older and we had another child, um, we ended up accumulating more things and we had toys and i remember when they were both you know they're a year apart so when they were both little i remember like i bought a bunch of stuff like i bought a play kitchen i bought a little trampoline and i was like i need to keep these toddlers entertained um and i purchased all these things and then i remember thinking am i still a minimalist because I have a trampoline and a play kitchen in my house. What does this mean for me? Um, And so at that point I, and my kids, obviously they love their play kitchen. They love their trampoline. It was, Mm -hmm. they got used every day. Um, So I noticed that having these things in my house was bringing a lot of joy and a lot of play and a lot of fun. And I started to question was minimalism, was it just me wanting to control things versus me being responsible with the things I brought into my home.
0: Yeah, I I can relate to that so much and I think probably a lot of people can because whenever we get to this point where it feels like we can no longer deal with the clutter and the mess and and then we learn about minimalism, it really is a lot of things we see online. It's extremes. And so it feels like okay, that is the way to peace, to go to that extreme. I have been in that mindset and I felt the same way. And I almost quit podcasting because I was like, I, I'm not really a minimalist. Like I still have and like stuff. And we also have a play kitchen. And I just found a mini trampoline at a yard yes. sale a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. <laughs> and and yeah, they get played with. And um, I I just love the idea of instead of feeling like we – need to have control and we need to have things look so minimal in our Mm -hmm. homes. And, and even if that is what brings us peace, like we, we live with other people and, um, maybe trying to get there is kind of stealing the joy, right?
1: Exactly. And so we, after that, we moved across the country to Florida. Um, and that is where we live in our current house now that is small, but in the area that I live, most of these houses are small, um, and we're near the beach, which is super fun. And after we moved, that, that also brought a different set of things that we needed. So now I have the beach gear, and my husband loves to fish, and so we have have fishing gear, and we have kayaks and all of that type of thing. And then my kids were getting older, and I remember when my son was my older son was about three, and I was. You know, very much in the extreme minimalism. And okay, don't judge me for this, but I was like, the only sport he can play is basketball because for basketball you just use regular gym shoes. You don't need special shoes, and you just need regular gym shorts. You don't need special equipment, and a basketball is is nice and small. So that'll that's going to be the sport he's going to play. I. It's funny because I.
0: I, I would not judge you for that just because I so I'm so like, um I'm I've never been athletic and I've never been into sports. So that just sounds like a way of thinking that I would totally have mostly just because I always feel like it's all so expensive. But yeah. my husband is a PE teacher and like a wrestling coach and an athlete. And so I could never really I could never actually think that or voice that in my household. Okay. But but yeah, I could see how minimalism can like drive you to those things. And then you start to try to control everything, right? And I, I kind of had that moment where I was like, I was just throwing away crafts that looked like <laughs> yes. maybe trash, but weren't to some people. <laughs> um, and, and I kind of had that same thought of like, is minimalism selfish? Like, is my version of it selfish? Is what I'm doing right now? And not to say that every obviously like it's not, but it it can be right. It can get to that point.
1: Yes, exactly. And so you know, as soon as your kids are, are uh, you know four, five, six, they they have preferences. My kids have preferences at least, and they will let you know what they want to do and what they like and what they don't like. Um, and so, as I started to to realize, like I don't I don't think that's going to be healthy if I try to to manage everything that way. And so I, and this was probably the biggest shift for me um, where I decided to focus on like, what does it look for me to be minimalist and not necessarily need my home to be minimalist and not need my family to be a minimalist, but what does that look like for me personally? And so the first part for me, was um, definitely with the digital media and the social media and the, the gadgets and, and the tech. And I said, okay, well, that's something that I can easily pare down and something that only impacts me. And so I deleted all of my social media accounts, and then I started them again, very thoughtfully deciding who was I going to follow, what was I going to look at. So I also know that for myself, my own clothing that I wear is an easy place that um, can be minimal for me and doesn't impact everybody else. And then to to carve out spaces in my home um, that feel good to me. So for example, in our kitchen, we have a wall of floor-to-ceiling cabinets. I mean, I say a wall of cabinets, like it's, it's a short wall. Um, but we have a wall of floor-to-ceiling cabinets and they're white. And they have very like minimalist little handles to open. And you open those cabinets and there's all sorts of stuff inside. But for me, having this like nice white, everything looks the same, is a way that I can feel like, okay, my home feels good, but my kids still have room for all of their stuff.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that you have taken it and thought like, what does it look like for me to be a minimalist? That that really speaks to me because it's just – we can't control everyone else in our home. And I think that's always like the first question is what do I do if my spouse isn't on board? What mm-hmm. do I do if my kids are not, which most kids aren't like coming out of the womb. They're like, I'm a minimalist. I'm ready <laughs> no, <they're> to. Not. <laughs> they collect rocks and they collect a lot of kids, collect things and make messes and play. And a lot of that is part of development. Yeah, I just I love the question of what does it look like for me? And what what of my own things can I control? And, and what I'm curious, like, whenever you ask yourself that question, do you also have your why behind why you ask yourself that question? Because I'm sure coming from like the very extreme version of it, at least that was my experience. It was almost always like when I was at that extreme was about like, okay, well, how do things look? And, The why kind of has to be so much deeper than that. So what is that for you?
1: So I don't enjoy spending a lot of time like maintaining stuff and taking care of stuff. So for me, a big part of the the why is keeping things to be manageable for myself. And that comes into play with like getting rid of things we don't need anymore um, and things that are broken, things that are garbage, just keeping up with the general tidiness of everything. I don't like when that gets too overwhelming for me. And then the other part of it is knowing that having time and space to do things with each other is what matters long term. And so many things I've purchased over the years that I have Broken, or I think I really need them, but I end up never using them. Um, As well as thinking back to my parents and my grandparents, who, which I think this was part of the generation too, they accumulated so much stuff and they never got rid of any of it. And I, I, I truly do think that, like, I don't want to pass that down to my children. And Lord willing, we're years and years away from that. Um, But I don't want to to pass away and have a, in a state full of stuff and I'm going to burden my family who will have to take care of that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your why. I think sometimes it helps just to hear others and helps us kind of get to thinking like, what, what is the real deep reason that I even want to have less clothes or even want to have, because if we don't have that deep reason, then eventually we're going to end up with more of it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I do have to ask, I know you, you kind of mentioned that digital minimalism isn't like your main thing, um, but whenever you did kind of, you you had a following on social media and you shared a lot. What was kind of your reasoning for that part being part of your decluttering process, if that makes sense?
1: <laughs> so I found that it wasn't something that was serving me anymore. Um It was something I was really excited about, but I think the the particular following that I had, and this could be kind of unique to the tiny house type of person, I guess. Um, They they had a lot of expectations of me, to to like act a certain way, or I I had a lot of criticism, like for having a child, um, and being like tiny house living doesn't work with a child. and the other side, you had a lot of criticism, having a child. Why would you still live in a tiny house if you have a child? That's not a good way for a kid to grow up. Um, so you get the criticism on both sides. And I realized for myself that I was um, excited about like, sharing my life and sharing the things that we were doing. And I wasn't, I wasn't as excited about tiny house living in general. Um, And so I decided that it was more appropriate to share myself and my life with people who actually cared about me, people who actually knew me. And if I were ever to do anything in that realm again, it would definitely be focused on like a topic or something that I was, um, that I knew a lot about and could help share and teach others, but not necessarily just sharing like, who I was.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, and
1: I think that, you know, the internet is a hard place <laughs> to be. <laughs> I didn't want to compare myself. I think that was another thing that came up with other tiny house people, and this is about 10 years ago, and so there's obviously, like, many more Instagram people than there were back then, mm-hmm. um, but there were a few that, like, oh well, they have two kids and they live in a tiny house, and oh, their tiny house is only sixteen feet, and mine's eighteen feet, and I'm like, man, I just I, if this is what is filling my head, I need to be done. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah. do that.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Well, the I am glad that you found you know what was right for you, which was letting go of that all of that, and it can be hard to make that choice. I'm sure when you have grown a following and and of course there are purposes for that but also sometimes it's like okay we can let this go it's okay yes this is the first year that we have decided to say yes to more than one evening activity so we are out of the house more often than not in the evenings this year and the first thing that has been hard about that is dinner and I know the moms that have gone before me and who have multiple kids in multiple activities know that dinner time and after school activities are a struggle. Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals, which are delivered straight to your door. You'll save time. You'll stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat them and enjoy. You get to choose from 34-plus weekly flavor-packed meals. You can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccoli, leeks, truffle butter, asparagus. I love factory meals for lunch. They have lunch to go options, which are effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers. They have calorie smart meals, which are calorie conscious options with less than 550 calories per serving. They also have protein plus meals. We have truly loved every single meal that we have tried from Factor, and I just love how quick and simple it is. Head to Factormeals.com slash minimalish50 and use code minimalish50 to get 50% off. That's code minimalish50 at factormeals.com slash minimalish50 to get 50% off. Along the whole journey for you, what have been the biggest things that you have learned about minimalism along the way?
1: One of the things that I learned is that if you get rid of something, you can almost always get it again. And this is something that I have fun with. Um, So one example is I have owned about five different ice cream makers over the year. (laughs) And every summer it gets hot and I will go to the local thrift store and I'll find an ice cream maker for four or $5 and I'll buy it and I'll make ice cream once, maybe, maybe three, four times. And eventually it's taking up room in my kitchen and I am like, I don't, I don't need this ice cream maker. And then I donate it back to the same thrift store or to a different thrift store and A year or two later it's hot again and I want another ice cream maker. Um and I I never like I never have purchased the ice cream maker like knowing that I was going to purchase it again, but at this point I think I've noticed the pattern, which is kind of funny. Along with that, um buying things second hand can help reduce the like consumerism and adding to the landfills and all of that type of thing, like I would not be able to buy a new $50 um, ice cream maker and throw it away um, every year. That would not not be cool. But when I buy anything secondhand, I know that I can pass it on. I also make good use of buy nothing groups on Facebook. Um, those are a really great way to give things to your community. So buying secondhand is a way to just give back to your community. Um, I usually purchase it from a local, um, thrift store that will give the money to women's shelters and domestic violence victims. So I am okay with supporting them in that way. They also use, um, women in difficult situations to, uh, work in these stores. So it feels good to support that type of business within my own community. Um, I've also found that, like I said, nearly everything can be, be found again. So if I ever get nervous, like, oh, what if I end up needing my potato masher? I can always find another potato masher. And that just removes the fear of getting rid of things. Um, and same thing with my kids. We had a, a little trampoline and then we gave the little trampoline away. I used the buy nothing group on Facebook and I said, anybody want a free trampoline and somebody else who had a child who would not break the trampoline, um, took away the trampoline. So I, I like how, uh, like this culture of sharing is a way that I can keep things minimalist in my own home, but also connect with the community that I'm in.
0: I love that. I love buy nothing groups and thrift stores. And I think, I grew a love for those things through minimalism, so Uh I I love that that's, like, one of the biggest things that you've learned along the way is just to feel less guilty about letting go of things and know that you can get it again, especially when you're buying secondhand. You're not, like, always going to the new thing and then feeling Uh – because there is. There's a guilt that – that we feel yeah. whenever we spent a lot of money on something, it's much easier to let go when we spent four dollars on the ice cream maker.
1: Than <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and I do want to acknowledge that there is a there is a level of like financial privilege and financial security that makes it a lot easier because we. I have been in seasons of my life where I didn't have four extra dollars to get an ice cream machine. And I, if I got rid of my potato masher, like I don't know if I could afford $2 at the thrift store to get another one. Uh, particularly when we, when we moved across the country, it was very tight for us for, for a couple of years. And I just want to recognize that there is like a legitimate um fear that can that can come up with getting rid of things and i think it's okay to be in that season of your life but for us when things shifted financially and we had a little bit more wiggle room i was able to process that fear and be grateful that i had things when i needed them and then also pass them on to somebody else who might need them
0: yeah that's really important too and i think you know, just always giving the advice to let go of something as soon as you feel like, oh, I haven't used this for a few months. That That's not the right advice for everyone because of what you said. Like, it, it could stretch a budget too far to even go to a thrift store sometimes. And that's why we're even having this conversation today of just, it's not one size fits all, right? And the extreme is not for everyone. And Especially the extreme, just like for the sake of having the aesthetic or.
1: Yes. (laughs) You know, that's actually, that's actually another thing that I've recognized along the way is that there is a difference between minimalism and the minimalist aesthetic. Yeah. And neither of them is bad or wrong or better because like my, my wall of white cabinets is the minimalist aesthetic. And that does bring just like a visual piece when I'm in my home um, and that's important and getting rid of things when I'm done with them and and passing things on and not stockpiling a lot of things um, that is more the the minimalist uh, lifestyle type of thing and I think it's 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 helpful to be aware of the different facets of minimalist minimalism like that and maybe you like the minimalist aesthetic and so it helps you to turn your books around so that you see the white pages on the bookshelf, but you don't necessarily want to get rid of the books. Um, I think that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. As we, we're going to kind of close out our conversation. I have two questions that I ask every guest. We'll get to those in a second, but before we get there, um, can you share kind of any encouragement or tips or resources for someone who's maybe just starting out on their journey to living with less? Or even if you want to share tips for someone who has went to the extreme and and <laughs> is wanting to find a way for this to work, but it's not working at the extreme for them. However you want to, whatever you want to go with it.
1: So if you're, if you're just starting out, um, I think there's two things. Number one is don't be afraid to get rid of too much stuff because You rarely, you rarely miss it. And then hand in hand with that, make sure that you're getting rid of your own stuff (laughs) and maybe not stuff that belongs to your family members. Um, because if you can manage your own clothing or your own items, that's, um, a lot easier to start with stuff like that. Um, and if you are someone who has been an extreme minimalist, but you're feeling like you want to have more, um, similarly if you get more stuff and you have too much stuff you can always pass it along to someone else and I guess what I'm I guess what I'm saying is that nothing is permanent and while our stuff and our our homes and our spaces might feel like they're permanent they're not because we all pass away at some point and we all move on or you move to another home at some point um and like the people that we have in our homes and our families and our friends or whoever is important to you, um, those are the things that are most important. Yeah, I, I just love that. And I love
0: how your story is really sharing seasons of life and, and how minimalism looks so different throughout them. Because when you first moved to a tiny house, you weren't parents yet. And then you were, and then you realized that this is – At least for you, maybe others in the (laughs) tiny house community do not agree, but at least for you, that was not that was not how you wanted to live with children. And and then just even from down to the fact of stuff and the way your house looks and it's going to be different in different seasons and when you've got, you know, kids running around your house all day you said you homeschool I am sure that it (laughs) it cannot be as minimal as maybe you would prefer the minimalist aesthetic of your home to look but it's a season and and a precious one and I I just love that that's really what your story shares I think we all can benefit from just seeing or hearing stories of yeah this is still part of my life but like it looks totally different than it did before Yes. yes exactly Well, two questions that I like to ask every guest. The first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now?
1: So right now, I am simplifying the meal planning, cooking situation. Um, For me, in the tiny house, it's very easy to have a a minimalist kitchen. Um, During the 2020, 2021 years, um, cooking kind of became a hobby Mm -hmm. of mine. And so... At this point, I'm trying to simplify, like the menus and the meal plan, and that's been really helpful with making our days go a little bit more smoothly.
0: Yeah, food is always something (laughs) to simplify for (laughs) me.
1: Yes, it's
0: it's always right there in my head. Of like, oh, it's it's great. It's working great for a few weeks, and then I have to like change it. It's yeah. I don't know why.
1: (laughs) That's just how it always. It's a hard one.
0: (laughs) The next question I have is, what's something that you're loving right now?
1: Uh, so maybe I'm a little bit late to get to the game on this because I'm sure everybody knows this, but I really like using a calendar on my phone, um, using like a Google calendar. I have never done this before in my life. And I have, I have like a monitor uh, in my kitchen. And so I'll put my daily calendar up there. And it's been really nice just to kind of be able to see what everything looks like at a glance. And I know this isn't, rocket science but i just spent like a lot of time like what's the best planner and the best system and the best app and i finally was like i'm just gonna use a little simple calendar google calendar and see how it works and i'm really enjoying it
0: yeah i that i would have not thought of having a monitor like in your kitchen because usually you know you put a calendar of some sort in your kitchen yes. and we do that and like, I forget to write things down on there, which it's so great. Cause you can really like, I mean, depending on how specific you want to get, you can do time blocks on there. You can do whatever
1: you want. Yeah, you and can show your day, your week, you can show your whole month. So many options. Yeah.
0: And you could put it up in your kitchen with a monitor. I love that idea. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's super fun. And yeah, thank you so much for just coming on the show and, and sharing your story. I'm sure it's hard to talk about some of the things that that kind of pushed you into minimalism because, you know, that's really just hard what you went through. So just thank you for being vulnerable and for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We talked about so many different things today, but I wanted to kind of leave you with an encouragement that if you want to take action on this episode, my biggest takeaway personally and my biggest kind of action point other than getting a google calendar on a monitor in my kitchen like i'm still on a journey to getting there but <laughs> that that sounds like such a good idea other than that my biggest takeaway is to really think about what does my version of minimalism look like in this season what is ideal what is realistic and to also call it enough this is something that since this conversation and just in general you know, with messy life with two kids, we're at home all day together. There are days when I get frustrated with a the mess. There are days where I think we have too much stuff. And there are days when I realize that that's true. But there are other days when I kind of pull myself in and call it enough and tell myself that like, this is what living minimalist looks like in this season. It is imperfect. It is messy. We do have more stuff than maybe A typical quote unquote minimalist whatever that means would have but can i get my home to a point where i feel comfortable hosting within 20 to 30 minutes like comfortable just having a friend over and giving them a cozy and comfortable environment yes i can that is one of my standards for what minimalish is to me in this season i have other standards too but i'm not gonna take time to share them all today i encourage you to think about what is a realistic version of minimalism or minimalish, however you want to think about it, for you. And are you there right now? What would it take to get there? Are you trying to hold yourself to an unrealistic standard of what it could look like in this season? Why are you holding yourself to this unrealistic standard? Is it something that you want? Is it something that your family wants? Is it something that is conflicting from you to your family? Is it something that you just feel like you should have? All of these questions, I think, can help us really dial in on, okay, what is realistic? What could it actually look like? What are the standards that I want to kind of meet to feel like this is beneficial, a beneficial and doable version of living with less clutter in this season? So I just encourage you to reflect on that if you haven't really taken the time to do so. I know we talk about that concept all the time on here, but if you haven't really stopped to think about it and even write it down, get practical it specific then I encourage you to do that today as an action step on this episode again I hope you enjoyed this conversation and if you did I would love it if you would share it with a friend share it wherever you like to share things on Instagram whatever social media platform I always say this but it does help so much when you share the show and I'm so grateful for you for inviting other people in to listen in to minimalish each week I love being here I am only here if you keep listening and if you keep sharing the show. And so I am so grateful for that. And I'm glad that you enjoy being here as well. And I'm just thankful that you're here. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you right back here again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old.